welcome to Nerd News with Gregory Symington. I generally try to avoid talking about American politics because it's filled with awful problems that no one wants to fix. But given that the current administration recently launched something called the Space Force, it has become a somewhat unavoidable topic. See, despite very clearly being the name of a late 1980s action schlock aspiration of mankind's oldest and worst uses of CGI, it is somewhat unclear what the Space Force is for. Obviously, it'll probably just be a weird new way of organizing the American military. But the US government has now been officially asked the question everyone was waiting for. And by everyone, I do just mean your weird uncle sitting at the back of the room with no pad occasionally yelling about the state of porridge coming out of France these days and it was, do you intend to use the Space Force to fight hostile aliens from other planets? To which the answer was apparently not just I'm sorry, but who let you into my office? Instead, they just said no, like very boring people, albeit very boring people with access to one of the world's most deadly nuclear arsenals. And today I bring you the singularly important news, the parrots are the scourge of our society. And not just because a pretty green one called me a rude word for a kneecap the other day. I mean, mostly, but as it turns out, they're also horrible drug addicts. Of course, there aren't any actual laws saying the parrots can't be opium addicts, so you might be inclined to say, let them live their best life. Man. And that is the logical response, but unfortunately, in order to get their fix, the winged beasts have taken to devouring the source. Opium cultivators in the Nemich district in India, a legal profession because apparently addictive painkillers have to come from somewhere, have reported that their crops are being devoured by the plague of parrots at an alarming rate. They've also learned to feed quietly so as not to alert the farmers. And yes, I did report on this story exclusively so that I could call your species a plague, Jeffrey the parrot. He knows what he did. Evolution put his kneecaps in his butt. So who gets the last laugh now, Jeffrey? For a while now, the answer to the question, is there water on Mars, has been a resounding, eh, yeah, kind of, maybe, depending on how much you want to lower your standards. However, the evidence of there having been water in the past is plentiful. And like a director painstakingly reconstructing Humphrey Bogart's face circa the 1930s and in the hopes of casting him as the heartthrob in their 21st century movie, scientists are very interested in finding out more about the long-since-dead marine bodies. Europe's Mars Express mission, which is named like it's a planned railroad on the Martian surface with terrible Wi-Fi and the same meal plan as that movie about the experienced star Matt Damon, also at some point a bloody-minded Frenchman, accuses everyone of actual murder, has recently gone and made exactly that sort of discovery. It turns out the planet's vast lakes used to be connected by a complex underground water network. They've also found evidence of carbon and silicates near the planetary groundwater network, which means we've definitely done it. Everyone thought it would be much harder than this, and if anyone was going to do it, it would be NASA, but we found irrefutable evidence of complex life on Mars. Uh, Hang on, Jonathan's telling me I can't say that because, quote, it is wrong on almost every conceivable level. And while it's very disappointing, you can't exactly say for sure that I'm wrong. I mean, technically you can, but let me have this. Polar bears have probably suffered enough at the hands of human beings if that one episode of Top Gear where they have to listen to Jeremy Clarkson yelling at them is to be believed, but a group of scientists working for the Lindner Center for Conservation Research of Endangered Wildlife at the Cincinnati Zoo, or crew, if you don't have all week to say their admittedly impressive name, have seen fit to rub insults into injury and have polar bears across North America, which in fairness isn't that many because they're almost all dead, pooping glitter. Of course, there is some method to their madness, as cool as it would be to believe that they'd just launched the mass multinational conservation 
an effort for a lark. They're trying to track individual birds' digestive health and apparently the solution they came up with after spending an hour or two arguing about whether or not they couldn't just use the security cameras that all zoos presumably have, primarily because they contain things like, I don't know, polar bears, was to simply convince them to eat coloured feed. It is pretty useful if you're trying to discern the difference between male scat and that of a pregnant female whose hormones you're tracking through the time-tested method of sampling her faecal matter, in case you're ever bothered by your practical assignment for engineering or anything like that, just remember that collecting colour-coded polar bear poo isn't your life. You could be doing worse, apparently, as comforting as that may not seem. It's a well-known anecdote that our astronomical capabilities are such that our planet could be hit by a massive dinosaur-killer-sized asteroid right now, and astronomers themselves might well get about as much warning as the rest of us. For all the good it'll do anybody that doesn't have a box of microwave fudge seconds away from their mouths, most people are kind of alright with this predicament. Mostly because so far we don't seem to have been blown up, although this is pre-recorded, so who knows. But for some reason, it has many astronomers scared out of their PhD-certified minds. So much so that they've taken to running asteroid preparedness drills in order to make sure they've got their act together, which much like the Avengers at the end of Captain America Civil War, it is not. Results are in from their last major drill, which took place in 2017 when an asteroid missed the Earth by just 50,000 kilometers, or in other words, very nearly killed everyone on the face of the planet without any real prevention method in place. Technically, it was only 20 meters across and probably wouldn't have killed that many people, but it's less dramatic if I put it that way. The near-Earth object in question had been detected five years previously, in this case, with something called the Very Large Telescope in Chile, because apparently astronomers are the worst people in the world at coming up with names. But the drill involved scientists racing to see how much information they could gather after automatic detection took place about a month before it hurtled past us at a distance, only six times the length of the African continent. The test more or less worked, except that its advocacy is disputed and at no point did anyone work out how to stop people from dying in the event of a collision. So actually it worked much the same way my second year motor building project worked, which is to say, as my tutor did when I tried to spin it with my finger, that six fewer Africas and we'd all be dead. It didn't make sense at the time either, but I suppose it does now. We know a great deal about dinosaurs, including the fact that the Brontosaurus was a kind of long-necked dinosaur uh, before we found out it probably didn't exist until this century when we decided that maybe it does exist all over again, probably. So as I was saying, we know a great deal about dinosaurs, and they were definitely wiped out by an asteroid at the end of the Cretaceous, except, of course, that we're not entirely sure. For a while now, presumably the same group of scientists responsible for demoting Pluto from planetary status have been hard at work on alternative theories, which, while I've not looked into any of them, I'm sure must entail at least one suggestion that they all simply lost the will to live after Anakin Skywalker turned to the dark side and thereupon died of sadness. I'm told that's a perfectly reasonable medical condition and it was a long time ago, so the timeline lines up, all of which may be a mute point, as was recently pointed out by a PhD candidate at the Imperial College London, Elfio Alessandro Chiarenza, uh, putting his academic weight firmly behind team hashtag asteroid lives forever. He pointed to new observations of the late Cretaceous period revealing a healthy population of dinosaurs, which would not simply have been wiped out by the available environmental factors on the surface of the planet, or for that matter by George Lucas's bad writing. On the plus side, despite the admittedly disappointing loss of the dinosaurs with the cool necks and the T-Rex, we do still have the birds, which totally do count Jonathan, and also include the ostrich, which is worth at least half a baby tyrannosaur. That's been your Nerd News with Gregory Simon. Tune in next time when we will be doing a hard-hitting interview with parrots affected by the plight of opium addiction and asking them what on earth possessed them to design the live-action Sonic for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which does exist, by the way, even though all the images of it look like they've come out of a particularly unsettling fever dream about a version of reality in which everything is just a little bit worse. It's basically looking like the Brexit Britain of movies. <laughs>